2: And welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. It's our weekly get-together where we discuss all things relating to Southampton Football Club. We're live-streaming our podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. And if you're watching along on Sunday evening, you can leave your comments and questions as we go. As always, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons who make all of this possible. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. Coming up this week on the pod, if last week's episode was called... How soon is too soon to sack a manager? Then this week's has to be called What a Difference a Week Makes. Uh, We had our first win... At Everton in 26 years, and it was well worth the wait. Uh, also, a midweek win against Manchester City. I mean, we all saw that coming, didn't we? So, not a lot yeah. to discuss there. There's another big game at St Mary's this weekend. We're going to preview the visit of Aston Villa, and later we'll chat through some of the latest transfer rumours that are doing the rounds this week. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined by Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Glenda Lacour is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Alfie House is the Southampton reporter for the Southern Daily Echo. All underpinned by our TSP patrons. This is episode. 217 of the total saints podcast your home for everything southampton fc from dedicated saints insight to exclusive interviews live on youtube every sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts this is the total saints podcast now last week we started with a bit of a group therapy session about the new manager and I kind of feel that's where we need to begin this week, but for completely different reasons. The first question that I've written down, what on earth has happened this week? Glenn, what's changed? What's what's gone on?
3: How do we sum <laughs> well, it up? <laughs> uh, well, I mean you got you gotta start off you gotta start off by saying, you know, hands up, we've won three games in a week. When was the last who was the last manager that ever achieved that? For us, I mean, maybe we have before. I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. I am absolutely at a loss to explain how, against Forest, Nathan Jones thought the best tactic to get a result out of that game was booting it up in the floodlights for 95 minutes. And then one week later, we are pressing and playing Manchester City off the pitch. You know, and how many training sessions would there have been between? that, you know, those two games, bearing in mind there was the Palace game in the middle of it as well. So they would have maybe trained once before the Palace game, maybe once afterwards. So two training sessions and you've got two completely opposing, you know, performances, one which was diabolical and one which, which, was, which was kind of brilliant at the end of the day. And from that game against Manchester City, I think because we win the Man City game, it's probably the reason why we went into the Everton game with a lot more confidence. And even when we went one nil down, we, um, you know, I, I was quite confident we were going to get back into it at half time. I know there was a bit of doom and gloom about the first half performance, but I don't actually think it was that bad. Yeah. So re- with regards to Nathan Jones, he obviously gets credit because he's either changed his football philosophy <laughs> overnight or he's listening to other inputs. And, and to be honest, either is, is a strength either is to be applauded because you know football at the end of the day is a results business and and he's got the results and i didn't see it coming and i still defend the, the point of view that i think we all had after the forest game because that was so inept and looking back now what annoyed me most about that was that he never really acknowledged that it was inept he, he just kind of said well we missed a chance and leon made a mistake and and I came away from that game thinking, oh right, so you think that was all right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it really wasn't. And looking back now, that kind of informed my my entire point of view. There's there's a couple of things that I've seen at the end of games that sort of like they seem to hold him in high regard, the players. There was sort of incidents with the, you know, um at the end with Ruben Sellers was involved. So that's an that's an obviously another relationship that's going well. So if we keep playing like that I don't think people are going to have a problem with him we're going to win some we're going to lose some but if we keep trying to play that way then I I don't think many people are going to have a problem with the manager I mean some of his press conferences which I'm sure we're going to get onto. oh we will yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you know you you cannot possibly complain about about the last week even if you think the first half performance against Everton was slightly dodgy
2: we're talking about the extremes here, Steve, but does this, this week perfectly sum up what it's like to be a Southampton fan? You, you think you hit rock bottom and then you're on top of the cloud nine and, and we're pulling a couple of great results out of the bag.
1: Yeah, I mean it's the ultimate roller coaster, isn't it? The that sort of um that sort of two weeks of of completely contrasting emotions that I mean, as Glenn said, we were just absolutely atrocious against Forrest. And you and you're kind of thinking, well, hang on, new manager bounce was supposed to have happened at some point in the previous two weeks. And we've had none of that. And actually it somehow managed to get worse, which is actually quite some feat, I think, to have then pulled pulled these three results out of the bag. I mean, Palace, as we said last week, was was kind of a functional performance, really. It was it was more a case of getting getting away from just humping it up into the air. Hmm. Um we actually tried to play a little bit of football and actually realised that we're that we're perfectly capable of doing that. And then we've we've obviously thrown in the sort of high intensity pressing, which I think actually has just surprised Man City. I don't think they were expecting it because let's be honest, we've not played that that way much at all this season. Maybe Chelsea game, maybe spells of that Leicester away game, maybe. But other than that, it's been we've we've been quite passive for the whole season, really. And I mean, when you come up against someone like City, you you always need them to have an off day as well as things go well for you and mm. and I mean certainly City were bad and I mean they didn't get an awful lot better at the weekend at Old Trafford either, so they're in a bit of a rut. But fair play, we, you've got you've got to take advantage of it and we did. And much like that Chelsea game back in August, we probably should have won by more. Um, the two goal two goal margin wasn't really a reflection on on our dominance. I think. Mm. So yeah, it's been a been an excellent week and it's. Yeah, it's all a little bit unnerving, isn't it? It is Um, a bit, yeah. (laughs) Albeit still with the, still with that rather significant caveat that we're still, we are still, still bottom, still the strongest team in the league, holding everyone else up. Mm.
2: Alfie, what are you putting it down to? I mean, I'd love to say that he obviously sat down, listened to the podcast last week, made a few notes, (laughs) probably. Spent a couple of hours scrolling through Twitter, seeing what people were saying and picking up on, on what he was doing wrong. But but what have you put it down to because I just it it's remarkable. I mean you 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 wouldn't have written this, you couldn't have predicted this. So so what what has it been for you?
4: Yeah, I think um he told us on Thursday that he doesn't listen to um to any podcast, doesn't read the press, doesn't read social oh. media. But and, and yet and yet he called out Paul Doswell. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I'm not convinced that he's telling one hundred percent truth there. Yeah. Um but Anything what I will nation? say what I will say is that Everything that he has said has you know, has in theory come true. Um, you know, he said that he wanted just he just needed one performance, one you know, one result to to sort of lift the group, and maybe that will be the catalyst for them to. To play better, to, to maybe put that press into action, and he got it. Like you say, it was a functional performance against Crystal Palace. It, it wasn't brilliant; it didn't tear up trees, but they they won the game. They got into the fourth round, and from there, it's obviously it's obviously bounced. And I think the relationships, the positivity, has to be the most important thing. I know Glenn alluded to it a moment ago, but you saw um you know James uh, Walprouse pushing Nathan Jones towards the fans and making sure that he was getting his moment. And and he mentioned Ruben Sellers where he went over, and you know they they locked heads for a moment. I don't know what they said because his um his Welsh accent is too thick to, to mouth read, but. It's um they're clearly getting on very well. Um so I think it has to just be relationships and positivity because at the end of the day, it's still the same players, you know. Orsich and and Charlie Alcaraz have played 20 minutes between them. You know, they, it's not as if they've come in and given everybody a massive lift. But yeah, it's just uh, I yeah, really, really enjoyed it. And as I was saying before we went on air, the the feeling of those last two games. Um, you know, against Man City, I've never really experienced anything like that in my sort of 18 months covering the club and then when James Walprau scored that free kick at Goodison Park, I, I lost my head completely. It was, uh, you know, he was going, He's going on that character arc again, where he, he saves the club, you know, not single-handedly because that'd be a little bit disingenuous, but it's almost single-handedly. And Glenn, I just want to talk about the games that we lost. Looking back, Brighton and Fulham, they
2: seem at the moment, those are the informed teams. It, it, were we looking at those games going, well, we, we've got to win these. You know, these are must-win games. These are big six-pointers. And and have, have we, to a certain extent, underestimated that little run of fixtures? Because we were talking about how key that was going to be. And actually, those two are the informed teams right now.
3: Yeah, I think that the tendency is to look at anyone outside the traditional big boys. And think you should be getting points from that. Looking back now, well, we said at the time Brighton were really good. You know, there's there's no getting away from that. Brighton were, you know, and they they've proved that since the run of results they've they've been on. Fulham, I, I I seriously don't think they're very good. I still don't think they're very good, and I think we should have got more out of that game. But um, yeah, yeah, the not and the Notts Forest game, as as we've said before, was 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 the hopefully that was the the low point, and we're not going to. We're not going to sink that low um, again. So having lost that, I mean, most people would have predicted a win against Forest and getting beaten by Everton. So we've done it the other way around, which is actually better, obviously, because the Everton game being the being the more recent one. So yeah, we probably did underestimate the um, the strength of the opposition a little bit, but um, it's, uh, certainly in Brighton's case. But I think you know we can we can move on now, and I know it's Aston Villa next, who are. Bit mm-hmm. of a mixed bag since they've um, since they come back after the World Cup. I think they've won two, lost one. It's certainly another game that we we shouldn't fear having, seemingly found a way that we can get results.
2: And Alfie, just talk to us a little bit about Nathan Jones as a man. He he still comes across as a little bit spiky to me, perhaps in in some of the press conferences. He was very defensive after the Man City game. You you you're sat in front of him. You're putting questions to him. Is he a little bit wary of, of the media? Is he perhaps hmm. not used to the criticism? What sort of a character is he? Are you, are you starting to warm to him a bit more now?
4: Yeah, I think. Um, what sort of character is he? I think he's 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 a pretty normal bloke, to be fair. And I think. Um, it, what I mean by that is, he obviously takes offence to things, and he does clearly take things personally. And again, he said that he doesn't. He only took Umbridge with one thing, and that was, of course, the um, the BBC Radio Seven interview. But he clearly, he clearly isn't only taking Umbridge to that. He's taking Umbridge for a number of things. You know, supporters, chance, all the criticisms he's had, and you know, perhaps that that even came from within the playing group um, initially. You know, after those first few performances where they didn't win, you know, they could have easily. um you you see a bounce now and it could have been that there's conversations that have been had in the group and they've all managed to sort of put their differences aside, if you will, and actually realise that it's for the greater good, uh, so to speak. You know, he told us that, um, and he's honest as well. He's very honest and perhaps a little bit too honest, but it's great for us because he told us that during the Man City game, some, you know, two of his players approached him and said, look, Gaffer, we don't think we should go to a five at the back. Um, and he said very diplomatically, you know, good. Thanks for telling me that, but we're going to, because I'm paid to make the decisions. Um, you know, I'm more than happy to yeah. listen to you, but, we're going to do it and this is why they did it and they got the results. So little things like that, um, you know, tell him, tell me a little about him as a man. But my personal opinion is that I, I really, I, you know, I do like him a little bit to be fair. I think he's um, he's interesting to listen to. I think he doesn't come across brilliantly well in 140 word quotes and I have to hold my hands up, you know, as a journalist who, who puts his quotes out on Twitter, I'm, I'm certainly, you know, that's part of my responsibility as well. But when he says things like, you know, I've taken flack and I have to batten down the hatches and stuff that's in a long monologue that's a long monologue of praise and positivity you'll say that he has to batten down the hatches from fan criticism somebody will put that out and then all of a sudden people go you know why didn't he just leave it um and you get that but yeah I, I enjoy him I think he's a little bit a little bit spiky a little bit emotional but he's got to the top level as a manager
2: and Glenn, I know, like Nathan Jones' out was trending last week. It's probably fair to say that something like Humble Pie would be trending this week. I know you and I had a brief conversation about it, but is it more to do with the age that he's a manager in, and the the spotlight that's on the Premier League? And I know we were drawing comparisons to to Ian Bramford last week, but back in the day, all we could do was print out the red cards, go to the game, and, and protest in that way, and and wait for a fanzine to come out. There's, there's so many more. There weren't podcasts, there weren't forums, there weren't blogs, there wasn't Twitter back in those days. Is, yeah, is it just does that come with the territory? And, and come with the job there's going to be that spotlight and and we're going to be people like you people like myself we're going to be talking about this
3: because because we've got a platform
2: to do it and 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 we're fans and and we want to get it off of our chest
3: yeah and people can comment instantly now before they've had a chance to think about it the reason I know this is because I do it, <laughs> <laughs> and it's there for eternity. And it's there for eternity, and people retweet a post that you made 13 years ago or whatever about <laughs> Nigel Atkins getting sacked. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it, not everybody's got a qualified opinion, as you know. I mean, I've I've always just by appearing on this podcast, you you kind of make yourself a target a little bit, and it's it's just it's just one of those um, one of those things that you you have to accept and get on with, really. And previously, like as you say, we didn't we didn't have things like this, and it it was just a case of you just had to sit back and shut up, and and no one had a voice. And obviously, sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes it's not. But I think most people most people in in football now they they understand that that's the case. So with going back to going back to Nathan Jones, you know, he knows how the world works with 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 the social media and stuff. He's been around football long enough, even when he was. You know, around playing lower league stuff, you you would get it, and you you're much more likely to have someone come up to you in the street. I imagine when you're um you know manager of Luton or playing for Yeovil or whatever. So no, he he knows how it works, and you know obviously in the Premier League it's amplified, and it'll be interesting to see how he um how he deals with things from here on in. But I I've noticed that the if you want to call it the the gaffs per minute, if you like all the all the the silly statements per minute has gone down over the the games that we've been playing. so maybe it is because we won, but i I didn't think he's um I and mean, personally, I don't mind him hitting back at people you mm. know i don't I don't mind that the The thing I find a little bit cringy about what he does is is that when he 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 talks about himself a little bit. You know, and he's massaging of the figures. Well, the Liverpool game don't count, and I've got a fifty percent. Fifty percent. If I include you'd be, you'd these be three, you can be damn sure that you can be damn sure that Liverpool game would have counted. counted if he got a result with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: I've been here for one day, and we did that. Yeah, yeah. Swing some roundabouts with um with social media and the world we live in, but uh, yeah. And he knows the drill. It's good. It's all fun. Let's get
2: onto some football then. Uh, 1997 was the last time we won a game at Goodison Park. I believe you were there, Glenn yes um, 1997 it wasn't looking great at half time but up stepped james ward prowse so let's get into the football show in some of the formations and things from yesterday Steve, was that really what was missing just james ward prowse playing a bit further forward was 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 that what was wrong these last few few weeks is it as, um, simple well, as that uh,
1: possibly i mean whether whether it was him or whether it was someone we needed somebody to to step up as kind of the link man between the between the midfield and the attack because while Kind of the two have been kind of functioning as separate entities for most of the season. They need to they need to work in tandem and work as a partnership. And I mean, we've we've I mean, I've banged on about this quite a lot this season that we've created loads of chances this season and just keep missing them. And now finally, we've got a little bit of confidence, and suddenly we're we're scoring Musa um, Genepo Gine- scoring a lob from thirty yards. Um, <laughs> it's madness times, and yeah, I mean, it's I think the the system change where i think jones has finally accepted that the three at the back is is a, is as dead as a dodo um it's not work, it doesn't work for us um it invites too much pressure i think it's okay sort of late in games as a sort of protection mechanism i i don't mind it in in that situation because ultimately you're likely to be having loads of balls just pumped into the box it's like well if you've got an extra extra big man in there to head head the stuff away then absolutely fine but as a starting formation i think we've i think we've now firmly established that four at the back is is the way to go and just the structure when um when lavier is fit and available from the start just makes such a difference and I mean, we've we've said this before that it's absolutely ridiculous how we're in this situation where an eight, a nineteen year old kid who's played what mm. p- perhaps ten senior games now is basically just such a key component in this in this team that everything falls to pieces when he's not in it, <laughs> mm. um, or at least not in it in some form because obviously he's only played an hour the the two games um, since we since we last recorded, but he's been key in both of them. And he's got us into positions where we've where we've kind of wrestled control of the game. I mean, I thought it was interesting actually yesterday that obviously Lampard went went gung-ho with the substitution, took Coleman off and brought Anthony Gordon on. And ordinarily when when Saints do that, you would you would just expect, well, that that player is going to have an impact because that's just what happens against us. But he didn't really do an awful awful lot. Yeah, one yeah, one movement where he went down, went down the wing and put a cross that Bazunu kind of palmed away. Um, but other than that, he didn't really. Well, I suppose I suppose he claims an assist for the winner, doesn't he? Actually, yeah. For bundling bundling Trey over, but yeah, I think I think we've we've learned a lot in in this sort of last week and a half or so. Gillettsar is an experienced international international standard centre back and should be one of the first names on the team sheet. And I'm relieved and delighted that we're that we're finally. I think everybody is all in agreement on this now, including the guy that actually needs to. Put him on that team sheet. You pick him, yeah, yeah. And yeah, just having that spine now where you've got Gillette Sarr, you've got Lavia, you've got Ward-Prowse and then you can kind of interchange people around that, I think. it's, I think we're not necessarily wed to any individuals elsewhere in the system, really. I think we've got we've got quite a lot of depth that can perform on their day and it's a case of kind of seeing who's I guess it's all—it's almost a case of seeing who's in the mood in training during the week before, to see who's who's the guy you're going to stick in that um, in those sort of attacking areas, who who are going to be the difference makers. And yeah, I mean this this week it's it's worked out fine. I mean I'm sure there there are going to be weeks going forward where that doesn't. Um, that doesn't pan out, but cross that bridge when we come to it, I guess.
2: And Alfie, you were there yesterday. I was listening on the commentary, saw the highlights and stuff today. It felt there was a real kind of show of spirit that perhaps had been missing recently. Although we were we were a goal behind, you kind of felt like this this game is still there. And actually, we get back into it, the atmosphere is going to change um, and it's there for the taking. And And that turned out to be the case in the end.
4: Yeah, Glenn alluded to earlier that the first half, you know, for all I've seen said about it, wasn't that bad. You know, they conceded the goal from another set piece, which, you know, has got to stop because if they keep conceding those set pieces, they will be in trouble. Um, but they, they did. Um, and like I say, everybody felt, certainly around me and, and I think the fans that were at the ground felt that they absolutely would get back into the game. Um, I think Nathan Jones has... Done well to show loyalty to certain players that who have then gone on to perform, which you, you know, perhaps you wouldn't expect them to. I mean, Lianko, for example. Lianko,
2: yeah. First yeah. name on the team sheet almost now.
4: Well, I, I think the first name be James Ward-Prowse, second name <laughs> would be Claire Carr. Then it'd be Romeo Lavia, and then probably would be um, Lianko for Nathan Jones. Honestly, um, I mean, he's used him in such different ways, and in ways that we'd have said, "What are you doing?" You know, like when he put him at right back against Wolverhampton Zaha, and again um, on Saturday, he put him right back, and then actually changed him to the, to the centre of the park at half time, put Mohamed Salis left back. He's doing things that Rav Hasnett all did and really didn't work and he's, he's he's trying them again and sometimes they're working and you've got to say, sort of say, yeah, well, fair enough. I don't know what homework you've done, but um, it's, it's worked out.
2: I know, Glenn, you were pleased with the defensive performance. I mean, obviously, we it, it was a free header for the goal, wasn't it? But defensively, yeah. looking better, Lianko, I think we're all guilty of saying dreadful should never play for the club again and actually it, you know he he's turned it around he's one of the players that seems to have been they've, they've stuck with him and and now he he's looking really promising and, and up for the fight and perhaps we're seeing the the player that we hoped we would when he signed he is
3: a nathan jones type of player mm-hmm. you know and you look at the i've moaned about this over the last two seasons we're we're a team full of nice boys who don't want to get not really your your blood and thunder type of players too easily intimidated you know we 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 don't make the game hard for referees at all we 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 were just too nice we sold aurel Romeo, which again this is why we looked like a bunch of kids mm. earlier on in the season so um i mean i noticed um alfie put something out on twitter saying you know what do you think the team will be this week and i, I read yeah. the replies and i just i just said anyone who doesn't think Leanko's playing is is wrong he is absolutely playing he is one of nathan jones's boys rightly or wrongly um, of course he's got he's got a ricket in him and you just you, you know i mean and he does he does some mad things doesn't he i mean there was a, that one where he well, started He a, ended up at left wing didn't he i know i know that's exactly <laughs> the one i was thinking about yeah. he ended up at left wing and then tried to foul someone when he lost the ball it's just it's just hilarious but jones is as alfie said he, he's leanko can play right back or he's moved inside Salisu can do the same he seems to pick the starting lineup for flexibility mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to burn a substitution in the first half but he still wants to have the capability of switching to three at the back which is and why as well. why I think Elenucci mm-hmm. played even though in my opinion he can't play right wing back because he's just not quick enough that's why he was in the team because if you if you pick I know you could pick Jepchop over there obviously if you pick an Adam Armstrong or something like that, he can't really play right wing back. I know he's not fit, but you couldn't do that with Stuart Armstrong either, probably. So that that's why Elniuci plays. So I, I think you know the, with the flexibility. But back to the defense, I like with Manchester City game. I didn't feel that Everton were going to score. They they really had nothing apart from set pieces, and the, their best best passer of the ball is the goalkeeper. So they give the ball to him, smash it up front towards Calvert Lewin, and Azar was like, well, "Thanks, I like this. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to hit everything." And the, Cal- Calvert- really... Lewin looks an absolute shadow of the player he was three years ago, doesn't he? Yeah, but he's got the he's got Chay Adams syndrome at the moment. You know, when mm-hmm. we were when we were bad before this week, Calvert Lewin's up there and he's not getting any ball that's under eight foot high, and and they're. He, he doesn't really have a chance. And Everton last year had Richarlison, Allison and who was a good player and they've replaced yeah. him with Neil Mope. Hmm. And he got one one goal this season. So it's no wonder they're gonna they're gonna really struggle. But I, I thought our our defending was was good and going back to Chalette Azar he makes the hmm. difference because out of all the centre halves we've got, he is solid and dependable. There's nothing rash about him. He doesn't have a ricket in him and he doesn't doze off. And I think all of the other three, Salasu, Belakocha and Lianco, mm. they've all got flaws, but mm. Chaleta just seems to be this sort of really solid player. It's interesting what Jones has said
4: about him this week. saying being okay, a,
2: what... a footballer, not a defender, wasn't it? Yeah. Was that the quote, yeah. Alfie?
3: That was Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well obviously I asked him just, you know, why why wasn't he starting effectively? You must be pleased he's in now. And yeah, exactly that. He said uh, he was trying too hard to be a footballer and not a defender and he just needs to remember that he's a defender first. And it's as you say it's about going back to basics, isn't it? That's what Nathan Jones is trying to do. Um just trying to get everybody doing what they can do rather than trying to do things they can't. And I think James Ward-Prowse is in that as well. You know, stop having him defend. Just let him shoot at the goal because he's the only person in on the team that can. <laughs> <laughs> do you think he's would still be in the market for I another probably. defender,
2: Alfie? If if he's saying actually this 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 there's a player that's already in the squad that has has, has learned in the last couple of weeks and, and he's been able to coach him properly, do you think they'll
4: still be in the in the market for a for another set uh, centre defender? If he if he wants to play this free at the back, then he probably does have to. But I mean I don't really think they need to. If if Salasu and if Belakarchap is going to be back mm. in the next few weeks, I don't see why you would need another one. Um personally, you know, just cut out a car he's better than I thought he was. And I think, you know, we're seeing that now and um, I'd be more than happy with him for the rest of the season. If he stays fair.
2: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. It's innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.
0: Picture the scene, all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah,
2: we'll get on to transfers a bit later and we'll pick your brains on that. Steve, two points between the bottom seven teams. We're in form. We've certainly dragged a few others into it, um, but momentum's going to be key the, the, these next few weeks.
1: Yeah, and it's I think a lot of a lot of what happens I mean obviously it's obviously it's entirely in our own hands, but also in terms of the sort of general overall picture that so many games amongst between teams are in and around us. So you have got Everton Everton against West Ham next week is basically a loser loser probably sacks their manager game. And I mean I'm I mean, Villa aren't I mean Villa are a, a little bit away from us now but they they've been poor for big parts of this season so I, I don't think they're i mean they they probably are effectively safe because they'll get enough points but they're not they they're not sort of immune from having to look over their shoulder a little bit so that game's still a big game on on saturday even for them even though they're they're kind of away a little bit now at the moment but yeah it's it's so tight down there it's ridiculous i mean you, like people were banging on saying oh Look at the championship. Like between fourth and seventeenth, there was like three points or something at one mm. point um, about six weeks ago. Yeah, I mean you've got, as you say, two two points separating seven teams, and then I think um, only another was it four points. Yeah, four or five. With the, yeah, with the two the two sides above mm. them. Mm. So yeah, I mean, Forest have won won two games in the space of a week, and suddenly they're on twenty points and looking yeah. looking quite it's a strange good, season. I mean, I, I still fully expect Forrest to get dragged back down again because eventually they'll get found out. Because They weren't great, they, were they? At the end of they? They're not very good. Mm-hmm. And it's it's <laughs> utterly infuriating, but it, it comes, about t- comes from taking your opportunities against the other teams that are out of form. Mm. So they obviously came up against us last week and Leicester yesterday. And Leicester are an absolute mess. Um, absolute shambles at the moment. And with no James Madison, they've got, Practically zero creativity. So not only do they have very little going forward, they've obviously still got their absolute train wreck at the back, um, and that's without Yannick Vestergaard. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean they're 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 struggling. Um, Wolves seem to have turned a corner, as you would as you would expect, having appointed a proper manager uh, finally. Spending a little bit of money in the in the transfer window as well with their demeanour, with their with their very very useful um, not in any way dodgy links to uh, George Mendes, and yeah, so I I fully expect them to be fine. But yeah, and any of the others down there, I mean, you could draw straws for mm. for who goes down, other than Bournemouth, who will go yeah, down. Will go down, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, they're they're just garbage. So, so bad, they've just they've, they've got nothing in attack and they're dreadful at the back. It's just i mean it's it's ridiculous how they're not bottom now it's It's an absolute indictment on us, West Ham and Everton, that we are below that the three of us are all below Bournemouth at the moment.
2: Well, we'll get on to the Aston Villa game in just a moment, but we need to talk about Man City, really, just because um, even the most positive of Saints fans wouldn't have given the team much of a chance for, for beating City. It's a cup that they've dominated for the last few years, but how wrong we were. Glenn, if the Forest game was the worst we've seen at St Mary's, was the Man City game one of the best in terms of the, the team performance?
3: It was, ju- it was just absolutely staggering. Absolutely staggering, the way that game panned out. Just ridiculous. Pep left the door open with his team selection. You know, goalkeeper, left back, Cole Walker at centre back. Um, they put a youngster up front, didn't they, on the wing, Cole Palmer. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, these are obviously all good players, but everyone, even people who aren't Man City fan, you'd rather face Cole Palmer than Riyad Mahrez, and you'd rather you'd rather they put the reserve goalkeeper in. But we we really played them off the park. I think they thought they were going to beat us easily, mm-hmm. to be honest, and and so did we. Yeah. And, and any any game of football, no matter who you are, if you if you start it at kind of seventy-five percent and then you go behind, it's very, very difficult to suddenly get up to a hundred percent. I don't think City really really got up to it. You know, they Calvin Phillips in the centre of midfield it was a massive, mm. massive weak link. And uh that was my favourite bit of the game was the um it wasn't not just because it led to Gineppo's goal, but Romeo Lavia just bodying Calvin Phillips out of the way to you know and to, to to get the ball and knock it through to Gineppo. And then it's like, why is the goalkeeper there? Why why is he there? <laughs> I, I, lo- I, lo- I love that um, I love that we seem to have installed some sort of magnet
1: in the center circle at St Mary's that just attracts Manchester City keepers out away from their goal line.
2: <laughs> it was nice to see it was good yeah.
3: to see It was just it was just a great performance, and then, you know to go to go those two goals up. The first goal was fabulous. I mean, what you know, what a goal that is! What a finish that Mm. that was. Graziano Pelle used to score goals like that, where he just did the ball just got to him and he just hit it straight away. He just swept it, didn't he? Just swept it in, and and that was a lovely finish from from a player who's not even looked like scoring a goal so far. Mm. So so that that was great. I mean, did you hear the chant? the chant that went up it was a it was a play on the Nathan Jones one at um at Crystal Palace but with right Pep Guardiola your football is <laughs> no I didn't I heard the it uh, Ricky it Lumber one. <laughs> it wasn't entirely convincing because I think we were all frightened at that stage what was going to happen when De Bruyne and Haaland came on in the second half but but they did come on and the second half was was comfortable yeah. And and as Steve said earlier if anything we should have extended our extended our lead it always felt like you know three decent passes and we would be in mm. but we didn't quite have the quality to sort of get in in that second half and uh put a third goal away but you know brilliant and brilliant performances by players who you weren't expecting it from there wasn't mm. anybody that was under par really was no. there
2: you couldn't single anybody out and say they had a bad night no. or they weren't Diallo, Adam Armstrong and...
3: Mara they all performed better than they normally do so Geneva. Yeah, Jeanette, man of the of match, course. of course. Don't forget, mm. Jennifer mm. getting man yeah. of the match. Um, not, sure yeah, not, not, not quite sure about that one. <laughs> <laughs> he uh. talked
2: about being aggressive, Alfie. That first sort of 10, 15 minutes, I was watching it. I, th- I think I looked up and it was like three minutes in and we were already mm. like pushing forward and putting a few tackles in. And, and that was, to me, that really summed up the, the, the aggression that he'd been talking about. It was just the, the perfect example. And I, I couldn't believe what I was watching.
4: Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, and that's actually right. You couldn't believe what you're watching. And obviously, you're trying to be really tentative in the way you're reporting it as well, because you know for a fact that it's Manchester City and, you know, realistically, 4-0 to them is more likely than 2-0 than to Southampton, uh, even in the first sort 10-15 of minutes. But yeah, like Glenn said, the way it, you know, that five-minute spell, two goals, Sekumara's finish, um, we, we're not accustomed to a, to a striker taking a finish like that this season. You know, there's no um, it's no slight on Chadham's Too really important for the two goals uh, yesterday. But... We don't see that at the moment. And uh, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of work to do at the time, obviously. I had to file a late report um, for the newspaper and I, w- I was scrambling hard. I really, I was really, really nervous that they were going to come back. And then Harlan came on. I think he touched the ball once um, and it was a he got his mosquito leg up to a ball that was about eight <laughs> foot in the air, but couldn't direct it goalwards. Uh, yeah, certainly the best I've seen from Southampton in, in my time and um, absolutely brilliant. I thought that Nathan Jones um, deserved to have a, a couple of digs at various people that he did in the press conference after. It was good fun.
1: He'd earned that right, hadn't he?
4: Mm-hmm. Um, and Steve, good
1: Steve Newcastle over two legs? Um, well, chatting to um, Newcastle supporting mate of mine um, this afternoon, he seems to be absolutely terrified now because Bruno Guimaraes went off injured at half-time, seemingly in tears. So I think we're probably assuming that he's going to be out for a few weeks. And the feeling seems to be that when he's not in that team, it's, it's basically half the team. So, I mean, if we if we carry on the carry on the the sort of structure and the and the performances that we that we put in this week, who knows? I mean, I'm not. I mean, second leg away from home is a pain. I mean, just one, wo- one word for the absolute scandal that is the format of the Carabao Cup semi-finals, by the way, that not only having the, um, not, not only having obviously the advantage of the second leg at home, mm. there is extra time in, in the semi-final, which is ridiculous. Now, this obviously used to be counteracted by the away goals rule coming into into play at the end of extra time. Mm. So obviously the home team in the second leg had the the extra half hour, um, with their fans behind them, but the away team had the extra half an hour to score an away goal, and and obviously with the with the benefits that brings. Um, but obviously the away goals rule has just been binned completely from seemingly all football, which is fine. But rather than do what they've done throughout the rest of the tournament and just go straight to penalties at ninety minutes, we have to go we have to go through this nonsense of another another half an hour sort of as the away team, which which seems manifestly unfair,
4: really. Keep they've that, also cause... got an extra week, haven't they? Because they got knocked out of the FA Cup third round, so they've got four days rest on them, I believe. Am I right in saying that? Uh, yes, yeah, because they obviously got done at Sheffield Wednesday, didn't they?
3: Surely, <laughs> uh, surely Newcastle will postpone the game a month, like they normally do when they get an injury. If tomorrow's is yeah. the COVID test to
2: be out or something, <laughs> won't they? <laughs> We've got a really important game against Aston Villa coming up. Obviously, Unai Emery's gone in. They've had a bit of new manager bounce. Glenn, they're still a, a team in transition, but it seems that they might be beatable. This is a great chance for for back-to-back wins.
3: Nothing to be scared of. Absolutely nothing to be scared of. They they're better under a under a, under a better manager. <laughs> Let's face it, everyone was going Just to be a better, manager. A manager, but they've they've still got the same players. Um, I know we have as well, largely, but you know they've still got the same players. And, and when I look at their team on paper, it's it's okay. I mean they've they've still got Ashley Young playing, you know, and they're, they're, well, yeah, maybe ten years ago. I I don't really see anything to be to be scared of. Mm-hmm. I I feel like they're the sort of team that we will be if we play well. They're, they're an annoying sort of team. I mean, we lost to them earlier on in the season, didn't we? And it was one of those games where... Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a dreadful game on where, the both well, sides. Yeah, where where Ralph basically set the team up to, to do nothing. And that's what we did. And we got beat 1-0. And that was when Villa had something like lost their previous five. It was Gerard's only win, wasn't it? Or something, before he got sacked. So I think, you know, we owe them one. Obviously, We've got a new manager now, so that's that's not going to play on his mind that particular game. Filler have got threats. They get runners in the box from midfield, like Ramsey, who scored against us last time, and um, Bailey on the other wing, who scored a good goal at the weekend. But uh, but I don't really. We got the really inevitable
1: wings goal, haven't we? Yeah, like and he's like, if he's, he's still he's, there,
3: then well, he's likely to be playing as well because Watkins got injured on yeah. um, on yesterday. So, uh, so I imagine Danny Ings will be playing. But, uh, but I, you know, I think it's the kind of game where we'll go into it with confidence after these these three wins. And you know, we have to we have to put in a similar type of performance that we we've, we've put in in the you know, it'll probably be more like the Everton game than the Manchester City game. But mm. I I don't see why we can't get a result against these.
2: I guess the difference now, Alfie, is that we know the team are capable of putting in that result, so we can all be a bit more confident about it. And it's a good chance to go full out and beat Villa and then we can forget about the league and and look at the cup games.
4: Yeah, supporters can be a little more confident, but I wonder if, if um the sort of the pressure of expectation of performances there now. You know, they're at home after three big wins, and again the Aston Villa are a team that are probably equal in 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 quality and in, in desire as to Southampton. So it's not going to be an easy game. I'm just looking at the fixtures that follow it, though. And you've got Brentford, Wolves, Chelsea, Leeds, Leicester, who are all even Chelsea included are not very good. Mm. So I think you probably take. I think you'd take a point against Aston Villa at home to us. If it's a point with a good performance, um, I'd be quite happy with that. Um, Keep the momentum going. Don't lose a game. Try to concede a set piece, if at all possible. Um, And that's asking for a lot. I think there's reason to be excited. But I think, yeah, I agree with Glenn. I don't think it's going to be a a massively dynamic performance. I think there will be a little bit of expectation. I think that might wear on them a little bit. But you just have to hope you can get one or two goals.
2: Well, let's um, move on to some predictions then, um, since you mentioned it. Uh, Jacob called the 2-1 win. Uh, at the weekend, uh, Glenn and Alfie still tied on 14 points for the season. Steve, I'm going to get you to go first on this. Um, your your thoughts on the Villa game and a, a prediction for you.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, Villa are such a such a weird team, aren't they? It's one of those toss a coin to see which um, whether it's the good or the or the rubbish villas Villa side that shows up. I think they'll be a bit more. Bit more structured under Emery. He's a he's a good coach and he's he's good at organizing a team. And I think they're probably just a little bit further along in their sort of recovery than we are. So I mean I think as as Alfrey says, I think probably take a probably take a point and move and move on. I think uh take the one all
3: mm-hmm. one all for you. All right. Glenn score prediction for you? Uh I'm gonna go for a one nil win. Nice
4: one a nil win clean sheet. Yeah, a clean yeah. sheet which won't God. give
3: won't give any free kicks or corners away. And um, we will we will spawn a one nil somewhere along
4: the way.
2: Alfie, how's this one going to play out?
4: Yeah, I agree with Steve. thought um, uh, she's got in there before me, but I'm going to go one all, and I'm going to even put my neck on the line and say, can I have a bonus point if they concede a set piece and James Ward-Prowse scores?
2: <laughs> I'll also be happy with the draw, but I'm going to go clean sheet, and I think 0 um, nil for this one. Okay, we shall see. By all means, if you're watching along live, stick your predictions in the comments. I'm uh, going to talk about transfers in just a moment. One of the other things we spoke about last week was a lack of communication from, from Sport Republic, from Ankerson in particular, Martin Simmons perhaps. This week, they gave an interview to the BBC. They were on Radio Solent. Nothing really unexpected or, or groundbreaking, but I know you were listening along, Glenn. Um, it all seemed hmm. to me reassuring. What were your thoughts on what Rasmus Ankerson had to say this week?
3: Yeah, my, my overriding feeling... When I listened to it, was that it was decent. They're both very good talkers. They'd both make excellent double glazing salesmen. Um, I mean that in the nicest possible way. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It was good to hear them. The only, the only thing I had an issue with was um, was this is my bugbear of um, Rasmus repeating that thing about the championship being the mm, sixth... Six, six best six, league in the world, isn't it? Well, he says sixth biggest league, um, yeah. and and the biggest is kind of it's irrelevant really because he was talking about the, the manager's experience I mean surely the the level of football is more is more relevant rather than our bigger league is but uh, but other than that that's that's a minor gripe i I thought it was decent and um I enjoyed listening to it and i thought I thought the questions from from Adam blackmore he, at times I think he's a little bit a little bit soft but you know I thought he he asked things in the main that I wanted to know there were, there weren't many questions there where I kind of thought I don't care about that you mm. know before they answered it i i thought it was decent so it was um it was good of them to come out and it, it's interesting that you know we just played everton and i don't know if people know about you know what's going on at everton but one of the one of the things that they complain about is the the lack of communication the lack of structure the lack of accountability all those things that we were kind of pondering last week when um, when jacob was here and um you know, it was uh, it was nice to uh, nice to hear our guys. And uh, oddly enough, they were the only board members that turned up at Goodison Park yesterday. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah that's, that, that's one for another day. Um, Alfie, we if, if we're
2: winning games every week, we we're not interested in hearing from them. They're just there and they do their job. So it was great that they, they did come out. I know you were listening along and, and tweeting along as well. Was there anything that, that jumped out for you? Or again, were you just kind of reassured by, by what they had to say? And it was all fairly, fairly straightforward.
4: Yeah, I think as as Glenn mentioned there, that, you know the whole Sport Public Group and Martin Simmons, um, they were all out the game yesterday. They were in the dressing room, and you know they giving Martin Simmons giving a pat on the back to James Will Prowse. You know they're they're visible owners. To be fair, you know you see them at St Mary's, um, but we hadn't heard from them really. We, you know we hadn't we'd heard from them in in one piece through Jacob, and that was really it. So it was reassuring to hear them that they said that. You know, things aren't going to go out the window if it goes to the championship, um, which is still a, you know a small possibility with the still bottom of the table. And you, for a long-term project, um, you know it's a multi-club model. It's always going to be a long-term project, but you want to hear that from them. So that was good. Um, and I enjoyed that Rasmus uh, was open about what they're doing with the transfer strategy at the moment. And he, he said clearly that, Obviously, Joe Shields has gone, so it's not ideal, but I'm running it for now. I've got a little bit of experience. He admitted that he doesn't want to do it forever. He's probably not the best man for the job to do it forever. I think we you know, probably all agree with that. He, say, he mentioned that the director of football, I think, will play a role in uh, appointing the, the director of recruitment as well, which is interesting. Um so it is, you know, you want all the people you want all the pieces aligned there. So I enjoyed that as well. Um and yeah, I just felt that it was it was nice to hear from them. The timing was obviously good for them, having beat Crystal Palace and then uh, arranging the interview and then and then obviously beating Man City, it was ideal for them, of course. But yeah, we get their luck and uh, yeah, it was good. Good.
2: He was obviously talking about transfers um, at length and how he was going to be handling those. Um, Steve, we've had a couple of new faces come in. No word on a, a striker yet. A couple of weeks left in the window. Is there There's still some business that you'd like to see done? Or do the, the results and the positive performances take the pressure off a little bit?
1: Um, I mean, I think they take the pressure off a little bit. But as I said earlier, we are still bottom of the table um so I think there if you can improve what we've got then by all means take the opportunity to do so I think Adams was Adams was very good second half I thought yesterday first a yeah, few comments actually he, about
2: Adams tonight and his performance yeah um,
1: first off I thought he was he was a little bit a little bit off the pace slightly and what i what I mean by that is that quite often when we won the ball back he hadn't got himself back on side quickly enough for us to counter on on a at any sort of speed that would that would cause Everton problems whereas second half he got himself into better positions and and was much more able to to kind of affect the game um i don't think we created any chances for him to um for him to even have a shot let alone let alone be likely to um to score from them but as a sort of link player he was he was much more effective second half but i think we've ultimately got to find a way of getting getting a centre forward who can kind of do a bit of everything I mean, we I think we all know what, what Chase level is. It might be good enough to keep us up, but its I guess it's its down to Rasmus to decide whether he wants to take that risk. I mean, he's not working for a gambler anymore. So, um, Is it
2: inconceivable, Glenn, we get to the end of the transfer window and we haven't brought a striker in?
3: <laughs> uh, I do not want us to get to the uh, end of the transfer window without having brought a striker in. I think it's a possibility that we might not bring one in. I think people tend to forget Sekumara. Now he you know, who was signed at the start of this season, I'm I'm not hundred percent convinced by him yet. I don't think he's ready to, to start games and be massively influential in the Premier League. He gets but he he's a young player who they want to, you know, they want to push, but maybe maybe not this season. So mm-hmm. I don't think we're gonna go out and spend twenty five million or anything like that on a striker. Now I don't know what sort of figures we're talking about for the ones that have been linked. Maybe Alfie'll know more about that. But uh but I I I generally do believe what you said at the start there that the you know the games that the games that we've won may affect how they how they view that and how much money they want to actually um want to actually spend. Because we're only going to you know, we've signed Orsich, who's gonna be you would think when he gets up to speed, he's gonna be mm-hmm. one of the you know, the three attacking players in the in the formation that we're we're tending to play. So I'm I'm kind of fifty fifty on it at the moment. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we bought you know, a sort of like big centre forward in, because I mean, what we know about Jones is that he wants options. You know, he, he he wants options, and whilst Che can do that job, it's not. I'm sure it's not what he would choose to do, to be you know fighting for long balls and 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 knocking them down, even though he showed with the first goal yesterday how well he can do it. So, uh, wouldn't surprise me either way if we uh, if we signed. A, a striker of more um of more stature physically. Alfie,
2: chuck us a bone. Um, let's end on a positive. What are we expecting to see, uh, if anything this week? Because the rumours um that I've this read have got well, Carl Walker Peters could be off. You know, the big club mm-hmm. circling around, and then the next thing is we're going to replace him with the right back from Luton, James Bree. I think it is who who looks like he. May or may not be coming in. What are you yeah. expecting? Are you expecting a quieter week, perhaps, and, and then a flurry of activity towards the end of the window?
4: Well, it's interesting that the Newcastle um, game is on deadline day, isn't it? So that's going to be an interesting day. We're going to do a Chelsea and announce a Ukrainian forward midway through for a <laughs> match, possibly. But um, James Bree, although the, you know the club, obviously um, Nathan Jones knows him well, if that isn't a replacement for Carl Walker Peters. I'm sure you're jesting a little bit. That's just mm. a short-term cover for the fact that Tino Lamptey is now had a bit of a setback and
2: back on crutches, um, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, and it's related to the ACL, but obviously. Obviously, um, know, these, these things can take time. We don't know how long it's going to be. So that's just you know, something separate altogether. But, you know, Tara Moffi was the guy that, you know, Jacob put out about and a lot of people have been following for the last few weeks. And it looks like today that he's going to go somewhere else, whether that's um, for like mm. 20, 25 million euros. And as Glenn said, I can't see them spending 25 million euros on a, a French league striker who clearly isn't that keen on, on joining if he's not here already sort of thing. Um, I don't think Danny Ings is completely dead. I think there's genuinely a chance that Danny Ings could could potentially happen. Um, but is that exactly what they need? Is that what they need, really? Um, somebody who who obviously scores goals, but like you say, isn't going to be six foot two at the top of the pitch and, and winning headers. Yeah, I don't know. I'm expecting certainly a couple more. 100% expecting a couple more. But, um, you yeah. know, well, I'm, I'm as clueless as you are at the moment
2: all right well let's uh, let's hope for some positive news on the transfers uh, at least some positive rumors this week that we can get stuck into that'd be good that's it for this week don't forget you can follow us on total Saints podcast you can find us on Facebook and twitter it's at total Saints pod the website is totalsaints.co.uk. Uh, on there there's a link to our online shop and you can drop us an email during the week as well of course we're on patreon i mentioned this at the start this is where you can support the podcast with a mon- monthly contribution uh, head to patreon.com forward slash total Saints podcast there's four different tiers on there ranging from five pounds to twenty pounds a month each comes with their own perks including weekly shout outs for those patrons in the francis banali and the mick shannon tier so with that in mind thank you to dave melton mark atkins and matt hall in the francis banali tier also we've got colt baker dave Ernstberger, ed busy nick higston phil cook matt rose and nick reed in the mick shannon tier thank you steve thank you glenn thank you alfie Uh, thank you for watching tonight it's been a great week thank you for all your comments as well and have a great week we'll see you again soon